Hey guys, before we get rolling here, I just want to thank those of you who have left me a review on iTunes. This helps me keep the podcast free, so please keep them coming. Tell your friends. I also want to thank those guys that have been sending in the questions. Um, This is what this podcast is about. It's about getting you the info that uh, you need to help become a better hunter. Uh, Now you can actually go to my website, interviewswiththehuntingmasters.com, and click on the Ask the Pro section. And you can send me your questions there, and you can even suggest a guest. And lastly, before we jump into this episode, I want to shed a little light on one of my sponsors, Sneak Tech Sneak Boots. Uh, I've been wearing them now for several years, and they've really upped my stalking game. I'm, I'm not a very sneaky person, um, and I find that that extra added um, stealthiness that they give me has really, really improved my stalk. I believe in them so much that I've decided to give away one pair each month to a lucky subscriber. So if you're a subscriber, once a month, I'm going to be announcing a winner to win a pair of Sneak Tech boots. So go ahead and go check them out at sneaktech.com and that's S-N-E-E-K-T-E-C.com. Let's get to the next episode. Hi, and welcome to the interviews with the Hunting Masters brought to you by the OutdoorInsiders.com, your number one spot for inside information and quality gear. This week, we're going to be talking to Eddie Wiley, the owner of Southeastern Arizona Outfitters. Eddie is uh, was actually recommended to me through my website from uh, two or three different people to talk to about coos deer. Apparently, uh, Eddie, you are a coos deer hunting fool, and... Uh, well, instead of me telling everybody about yourself, why don't you uh, give us a little rundown about yourself? All right. Well, uh, let's see. Um, I'm an Arizona native for one, so coos deer isn't uh, nothing new. Been in the Army for 20 years, getting getting ready to retire. I started up uh, an outfitting business a little over a year ago. Um, to be honest, coos deer was really never uh, my first love. Mule deer really was. And uh, that's mainly because I came from, you know, the family mentality was we hunted for food. You know, horns never really played much into anything. And uh, mule deer, obviously, pound for pound, you know, was a lot more table fare. Um, But, no, I got addicted on these little guys. You know, a lot of people chase after them. They're elusive. Uh, You know, they're a poor man sheep hunt, as a lot of people call it. I mean, it is not far off the mark by no means. Yeah, they're a great um, they're a great animal, big game animal to get after if you really want to challenge yourself, you know, and you just don't have the the pocketbook to get out and do a sheep hunt or, you know, kind of get run run around the country chasing after an elk or something like that. Yeah, for sure. No, I tell a lot of people all the time, you know, that. especially hunting them with a bow is like it's one of the one of the tougher hunts in the united states um you know if you're if if you could be consistently successful with a bow on a coos deer uh spot and stalk specifically i mean sitting on a water hole 
definitely it's difficult sometimes yeah. more of a mind game than it is a you know uh skills thing but uh i think that you can you can pretty much uh shoot anything anywhere that's my that's kind of my opinion yeah. i've been all over the country so i can say that <laughs> yeah no and you're right i mean i've hunted i've hunted white tail back east um you know in four or five different states um and i would say by far you know coos deer was probably the the most elusive thing that i have personally chased after with a bow and to be honest with you i don't get after them every year uh with the bow i mean they're just that tough and it's it, it just takes that level of commitment and that level of determination right um you know if if, if i if i can't commit you know full-fledged uh with, you know, on, on an archery hunt for coups, um, then, you know, you're just, you're kind of spinning your wheels. Right. So I know you guide, you guide for mule deer and you guide for elk also here in Arizona. Um, but most of the questions I got for you are, uh, coups deer related. So uh, I'm going to roll into some of those questions and, uh, pick your brain a little bit. Um, okay. Let's talk a little bit about coups deer behavior. If you, um, okay, give me a, like a behavioral characteristic or a couple that you can count on about coos deer. And if you learn this, you know, how, how could you use that, that knowledge to your advantage of scoring a buck? Okay. Let's see. Well, man, that's a, that's a, that's a broad topic. Um, so if I was going to go after one with a bow, um, let's say the velvet hunt, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're going to be one of the big things is, is you're not going to find them in thick, as thick a cover as you normally would once they shed, you know, shed that velvet. So, you know, they're going to be in that same home range, uh, obviously. And I'm of the philosophy, kind of the bigger deer you get on, the smaller that home range is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I look a lot it's hard because I don't get a ton of coos deer archery guys. But um, what I would say is the deer that I pattern early season, I really look at the group that they're hanging with. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, they're in these bachelor groups and uh, you know, a lot of times we're targeting specific deer. Um, So if, if I don't see that group in there, I back out and don't press the issue. Um, you know, yeah, that, that early, early archery hunt, you know, a lot of people want to sit water and stuff like that. And it's a, it's a great methodology. Um, but I don't like to press into their home range, kind of their heartland area. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like to look at them from kind of outside and I like to really kind of set the stage. Um, for example, if you know, where we, we killed a really big one, one of our really big bucks this past year, obviously it, it wasn't archery, but I would have taken the same approach. We, we, I patterned him. I knew he was coming up on the north end of his range, and I knew that's where I was going to kill him at. Whether it would have okay. been with a bow or with a gun, that's where I would have, I would have, would have made the effort. That's where the stock would have took place. Um, you know, that's where I would have kind of dabbled my chips. And I think what that does is it gives, it gives that deer the opportunity to remain safe, you know, mm-hmm. and a majority of his territory and you're not being intrusive um and it and it it teaches you patience if if you get that deer in that that one spot 
you know, you have a lot more control of, you know, kind of what your plan is, how it's going to play out than it is if you get in there and just kind of let the elements um, di- kind of dictate what's going to happen. Okay. So let me ask you this. So you, you watch the, you watch this buck or group of bucks and you know, they're doing this, this day, they're doing this, that day, they're, or this time of day or that time of day or whatever. And you, like you said, you waited till he was on the North end of his range or whatever. Can you paint a picture mm-hmm. of what it is that you're looking for that puts them in that vulnerable spot? Or that's the reason why you're stalking them in that spot. What's the reason why yeah, you picked the so, North range basically? The, so the North range, the wind, the wind was probably the most consistent the, okay. in that location than it was going to be anywhere else. Um, and that's the biggest, that's the, 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 the line of mechanism that I fight the most with, with deer, you know, that's okay. the one thing that is always going to be uppermost in what I do is going to be the wind. Um, and that becomes way, way prevalent when you're talking archery hunting. Um, so it was, you know, wind was a big, uh, big key feature, the ability to get a hunter in there and, and to do a stock, a successful stock, um, the country that he was running in, uh, the majority of the rest of it was really rough, really, really rough country. Okay. It gave a lot of blindside. That other country gave a lot of blind, blindside aspect. But for a hunter, you know, and I, you know, it's hard for me, you know, because I'm looking at it from an outfitter perspective. Um, you know, you don't get to really gauge what your guys' capabilities are prior to getting them into a camp. Right. So, you know, I can take a guy like, you know, I, I had Matt and men out on a hunt. I knew, okay. you know, I, I watched Matt and I knew his, his ability to stock, you know, right. um, big Mike's ability to stock, you know, both knowledgeable guys, but there was a deviation between Matt and Mike. Mike was, you know, Mike's a giant guy, you know, Mike, Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's a huge dude. You got to hide him behind a semi. So, you know, <laughs> it's like seven yeah, foot. You know, so, <laughs> right. You know, and I mean, he's shooting 200 pound, you know, uh, bows and stuff with a 36 inch draw link, you know, the man's. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. But, uh, but you know, um, I, I could get, I could get Matt into places that I couldn't get Mike and it's right. kind of the same mindset. So, you know, we didn't attack that heartland stuff knowing that we had blind sides to work around and maybe give us the opportunities to get the shot. Mm-hmm. It's just that Northern terrain just just gave the the best opportunity makes sense you know to move around if 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 i had to set them up at stationary static i could you know they were they were so well patterned on that north end i could tell you you know out of the shoot 20 trails on that hillside i could tell you the two or three that he was going to travel down nice that's awesome. You know, so, so that just goes back to you studying them, watching their behavior, watching their uh, movements, and really just trying to find the, the chink in their armor, basically, and, and, and locating a spot that's going to give you or give your client the uh, most um, – what's the word I'm looking for? The biggest opportunity or, I guess, so to speak, or right. the, the best chance at, at – at harvesting them. Yeah. So, no, that's yeah. good information. Absolutely. Um, so, let's talk a little bit about 
habitat and stuff. What, what are you looking for? You know, let's, let's break it up into three seasons. Okay. That's it. We'll start, we're starting talking okay. about early season already. Let's talk about early season. And then we'll talk about those, those middle rifle hunts. Um, and then we'll move on to the December hunt. What is it that you're looking for in big buck habitat? Does it change from season to season or? You know, it, it can. I mean, obviously, I mean, like right now, right now down here, we're, we're getting ate up with fire. So, hmm. um, you know, that's going to drastically change, you know, some of the, some of our, uh, locations we hunt but you know just talk a perfect season nothing you know nothing bad happens that type of thing um no i think there's big buck country and i think um you know i, I know that early season and it kind of it kind of deviates you know i i think of a kind of a, a desert coos and then you have mountain coos you know you right. start getting up in the central portion of the state you know you have more than mountain coos and then you have these desert coos down here where we're at and, uh, and that's just a deviation in kind of what the habitat is. So, right. you know, down here, I, you know, I know these deer love Okatia. I don't know why I have, you know, I don't know if it's because they can get in there and it makes it hard for a lion to get after them. Yeah. You know, I don't know. But I know they love Okatia um, down here. Um, and I know up in the northern units, you know, I, you know, I look at junipers. Um, I have some up north that you know you'll see them under kind of umbrella type juniper trees mm -hmm. uh, where the bottoms are all just kind of kicked out and bare and then i have some that you know they just they will crawl up inside a oak scrub oak to right. where you know it takes you six hours to pick out an eye right but i would say big deer country big coos country is big coos country and what i mean by that is if 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 you know, you want, if you told me, hey, Willie, I want to go shoot a big coos. I've shot one big coos my whole life. Mm -hmm. What I would tell a guy is I would say, open up a map, go up on Google, you know, open up and take a look at that country. I mean, right. look at the topo topography of it, you know, and that's what I do. Um, where, I, where I find these big coos, you know, you're talking the 115s and up, you know, I, I pay real close attention to what that looks like on a map. And right. I use that to dictate when I'm going into another unit blind and start scouting. Right. Um, so you keep notes basically every time you see a, you know, that trophy class buck, you're basically notating um, the type of terrain that he's in. And, you know, over time you've noticed that there's a pattern that they seem to all be in this similar type of yes. terrain. Okay. Yeah. You'll see, you know, you'll see them in, you know, when you spot a big buck in a canyon, Mm -hmm. um that that the layout of that canyon is important right. it's relative distance to water um to the feed that's growing in it you right. know um to how many escape routes to which direction the the wind is normal mm -hmm. uh, normally running in there all that stuff i pay attention to and then and then when i find one you know i'll look at a map and and like i said you know i'm always trying to expand into new country i you know my first step is i look at a map I look at country that's looks identical or very, very similar. I mm -hmm. get in there and then that's when I start picking apart the layout of the canyons, how, how close stuff is to water. You know, down here, water is a huge thing down here in the oh, yeah. southern units. So anytime you find a tank or, you know, uh, a spring that is a year-round feed, 
you know, you could have, you could find a big coos deer that's five miles away and you, you start running through a summer that it just drought condition, drought condition. He, he has to change something up. He has to start moving closer to water. Right. Absolutely has to. And I mean, I've got that. I mean, I've set up camp, you know, uh, trail cameras and stuff. And I've seen where big deer have moved in and started hitting that water. And they're normally hitting it at night. And as the monsoons come in, I don't, I don't get a glimpse of him again until, uh, you know, almost the same time the following year. Mm-hmm. You know, so let me so, back. So that water's important. Oh yeah, of course. Let me back up a little bit. I mean, that, actually, that's kind of like one of the. Before I ask this question here, just to, you know, uh, add to what you were just saying about water, I feel like that's like Arizona's biggest advantage as a hunter um, is that you know it even is. even even the northern state we're a desert all the way from here to to the top of the state. Um, I mean, I think per rainfall we're still considered a desert even you know if you're in flagstaff or whatever even though it's you know it's ponderosa or whatever but um yeah so i mean water's key to anything that you hunt here for sure but what i was gonna say what i was backing up to is you started talking about you know uh identifying these terrain features that big bucks tend to be in can you give us an example yeah. of some of those things or even you know, elevation? So, yeah. Uh, so elevation. So that, that's a, that's a great question, actually. Um, and that question, I mean, it's it poses huge rewards when you're talking. Uh, you start getting up in the, the central part of the state. You know, you, you can go into Alpine, for example, mm-hmm. Unit 27. Mm-hmm. You can go into Alpine and you'll get you can set up cams in there to you know, watch elk or whatever, and you'll get pictures of, uh, of coos. But I've noticed as I've hunted throughout kind of the central portion of the state, I'll jump, I find areas where I get a blend of mule deer and whitetail. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll get kind of mule deer pure and then I'll kind of get, but I don't, I've never found where I would just say it's a whitetail central type of location. Okay. Um, you know, and I'll use like uh, 28, unit 28 for an example. Okay. A ton of mule deer in there. There's whitetail in there, but those mm-hmm. whitetail are real pockety. They're real susceptible to altitude. Um, they're real susceptible to, uh, you know, they, they like to, you'll get them down in there in that Okatia and stuff like that. But, you know, once you start getting up into that juniper, uh, scrub oak, stuff like that, you'll find, uh, find them as well. But mm-hmm. it seems to be altitude plays a big deal. Okay. You know, um, I don't see a lot of them at 7,000 feet. I just don't. No. You know, so when I go in, I feel in like, like 5,500 is the, the, like the umbrella. I mean, I've obviously you see them above that, but 5,500 yeah. seems to be like where it starts yeah. changing back to high, high country muleys. Yes, you're absolutely right. Okay. I, I would say that's a, that's probably a great margin. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I like to tip out at, you know, I'll, I'll tip out at 6,500 feet, but I don't like to really go much above that. Mm-hmm. And when I'm, when I'm in those high brackets, the, the focus is, is when you find these whitetail, you are finding whitetail and pockets, everything else that's running around that stuff is mule deer. So right. when you find your whitetail in there, they're pocketed up, you know, it's these small 30, 40 head, 50 head of, of whitetail, you know, a herd in there running four, mm-hmm. five, six canyons. 
you know, so it's not just uh, every canyon's going to have a whitetail in it. Right. You now, know, down south, down south, it seems like as you start, as you start climbing, it just predominantly gets whitetail. You know, true. you start talking 38, 30B, 35A, that mm-hmm. type of stuff down here. As there's you no, climb, there's no you just muleys get more whitetail country. Yeah, you like you, you yeah, never really see. You know. I mean, I have here and there, but I've almost yeah, never. Yeah, you do, but n- almost never yeah. see them. They like to stay in the rollers and then the flats mostly. And right. I mean, now I've seen in the recent years, in the last five years or so, especially a lot more coups down in the flats, especially during the rut. They keep, you know, they're you're looking, you're yeah. you're glassing your ass off at their hill, and 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 yeah, you, you get bored because you're not seeing any good bucks you turn around to go look at muleys and you see a 120 inch koozie running dough down yeah, the flats it's, that's you know? true it's yeah. true it's it's yeah, changing you know, up i grew up down here yeah i mean i grew up down here in alfreda um the sub you know southern unit 30a um i can tell you there's there's mountain ranges uh that i looked at here that primarily when i was young you would see mule deer up on the tops, mm-hmm. um, and it was primarily mule deer country. And coming back 15, 20 years later, um, you know, being in the being in the military has taken me away, obviously. But getting back and getting back into that country, I mean, the whitetail, it's like they've spread like wildfire. You know, they've pushed a lot of the mule deer down off of that stuff. Yep. They're by far more territorial. I mean, oh, yeah. They're way more aggressive. You know, so... Yeah, they they really are. Not many people I, would realize that. But they I are. watched the uh, during the rut. I watched the Kuzier buck kick the shit out of a uh, out of a muley, like a three point muley. I mean, the muley had him yeah. by like at least sixty pounds, fifty sixty pounds, and this yeah. white tail buck just threw him. They just got <laughs> yeah. They just it's got crappy. more. They got more mean to him, man. You yeah. know, they're like uh, I don't know Brooklyn Brooklyn deer, man. I guess that's the me. best way to put them. <laughs> you know. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool. But, um, yeah. So I want to I want to switch gears a little bit and go a little bit more to actual killing tactics than finding tactics. Um, hmm. I got I got several questions here, and I'm trying to pick the ones that I wanted to find out that are that, that we haven't covered here. And well, why don't you give me three rules to live by when stalking a coos buck? Patience. Patience is number one. Uh, if you think you're going slow, you're probably not going slow enough. Um, That's my biggest problem. The wind. The wind is, yeah, the wind. And it's my biggest problem. It's most, I, I will tell you this, being a guide outfitter, that is the biggest problem I see. Mm-hmm. Um, is you just got to slow down. You know, them. they're going to be there. They're going to be there. Um, the wind would be next. And um, discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I mean by discipline is, you know, you, you when you know it's wrong, mm-hmm. when you get in there, you feel that wind switch up, um, you're making too much noise, um, you have to be disciplined enough to say, today's not the day. Today's okay. not the day. Um, there's guys out there that'll push it. And there's That's guys me. out there that'll push it and be and, and are successful. I push they, everything. They are. <laughs> you know they are. Um, you know, uh, I am. I am very much the opposite. If if I don't feel, you know, stuck in one of these little, these little guys, man, being so elusive, 
I mean, I, I don't know if we ever even get to 50% odds in our favor. Right. No. You know? So, you know, if I'm going to make that stock, if I'm going to push a client in on a stock, um, you know, that win's important. Them going slow because speed equates to, to noise mm-hmm. and mistakes. And then having the discipline to back out. Because, you know, the big thing is, and I mean, this is a big mule deer point, but if you don't bump them deer, you don't bump them and you got the discipline to back out and go, today's not the day. I'm going to go look for this deer over here um, and then come back in tomorrow and see how that hand plays. As long as you don't bump them, they're in a normal pattern, mm-hmm. you know, and as long as they're in a normal pattern, they're kill- killable. Right. Hands down, they're killable, you know. Hunting, hunting is nothing but an odds game. Yep, it's a numbers game. The more, the yeah, more. it really is. Yeah, the more uh, chances you get, the the better your chances are of getting one. You know. Yeah. The more, it's, the more. It's true. Yeah. Having the hat, <laughs> the better chance you're gonna get. Exactly. One. <laughs> so. Exactly. And no. it's hard, man. And I feel for you, because I'm the same way. I'm, I'm, and I'm real bad on it with mule deer. I'm just way overly aggressive. You know, and I, I, I rely on that. If I bump him, he's going to bound two or three times, stop and look back and try and figure something out. Right. And I'll get the opportunity, you know, 20 yards, 30 yards further than what I, I planned on taking. But them coos deer, they don't do that. Nope. They got some coyote blood in them or something. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. gone. They don't mess around for anything. Oh, that's good information. Um. What would you say are the three most critical factors that contribute to your consistent success as an outfitter or even as a hunter? The three most critical factors to my success? Yeah. Um, what are the three things that you do and you say, always do them that you know that's like, you know? I would, uh, you know, scouting's huge to me. Um, my scouting, scouting's over half of it, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I look at scouting kind of like the blueprints on a house, you know? So if you want the house you want to live in and you're going to be happy in it, you want to make sure the blueprints are right. Um, so scouting's probably number one. Um, That's a good question. Number two is I think it's going to just be, you know, that discipline, just being that disciplined hunter. Um, well, I would say that's probably number three because that's, that's the action of it all. It's mm-hmm. just being that disciplined guy when it, when it comes down to it. Um, that's a good question, John. <laughs> you know, scouting scouting is the biggest piece of it for me. Right. Well, you know, you know just I, listening I, to you, between... I, I think I know what your second one is actually, because you, you spend a lot of time uh, learning their behavior and stuff while you're scouting. So, I mean, for me, I think that's what I heard yeah. you say throughout the whole interview is find them, learn what they do, and then put together a, a, and then put together a plan. So, yeah, 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 I, I would agree with you. Yeah. Definitely. You know, the cool. scouting and then, you know, just kind of learning their behavior, learning their behavior is huge. Yeah, for um, sure. And then the execution, you know, being just being disciplined at doing it. 
Awesome. Well, as far as questions are concerned, that's all I got for you for today. But what I want, I want to hear, tell me a story either of a client or yourself hunting, um, you know, that ended up in a success and try to give me the details that got you to that success. Oop, we lost you. Yeah, sorry about that. I had a phone call come in. Um, I would say, so we, you know, we had two big bucks that we killed this year, coos bucks, the mid-130s, 135 and 136. Um, the, one, the one buck, um, we kind of named them. We named one Sawbone, the other one Legend. Sawbone I watched for three years. I watched that buck for three years. I almost shot him uh, the year previous, um, but he had broken broken off a, a time, mm-hmm. and you know I just didn't want to didn't want to take him at that point. But I would say from the the set and trail cameras, putting glass on them, um, you know, watching them, and then and Legend being the same way, getting it. And and Legend was nice because it was all a new country hunt. Okay. Uh, I went, you know, me and uh, one of my guides went up there and we found this buck. Um, me and Brian went up there and found this buck off in the middle of nowhere. Um, and we could tell that uh, that those deer um, that me and Brian found, they hadn't had pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can, it almost seemed like if you really wanted to, you could probably walk up and pet it. <laughs> oh, wow. But, uh, you know, they didn't, they just, they hadn't had no pressure. Mm-hmm. And we knew going in that the the biggest thing to our success was you know we were going to get glass on get glass on these deer get cameras up and we use cameras in in a very different way than i think a lot of other people do um i think a lot of people use cameras just to make sure that a deer is there or kind of when that deer's frequenting an area um Mm -hmm. and we you know we don't necessarily use them for that reason we use a camera to squeeze um and what i mean is you know you know legend ran in three big canyons and we slowly and methodically put cameras in there until and started moving them out of that country until we until he dropped off the map (laughs) and we basically by the time it was all said and done i could basically pull a map up and draw you a circle where that deer was living Ah, okay. And and what I was telling you about how I knew I was going to kill him, you know, we were going to kill him on the north end, is I knew he was frequenting that area. I could, you know, at one point, there was a point in my life where I just didn't think seven days was long enough to get a deer killed. Okay. But now that we use this strategy, you know, I know, I, I mean, every four days I get that deer on camera. Right. You know, so... You know, I knew a seven-day a seven-day hunt was going to be long enough to get him killed. I knew where I wanted to get him killed at that was going to give me the best opportunity to get a hunter in, mm-hmm. whether it was bow or archery. Um, and we went in the, on Legend the first day we went in. I seen and I knew what deer he was hanging with, and I knew that because of my scouting, and I knew that because of my cameras. So the first day we went in and hunted it, you know, I saw I saw six, seven, eight bucks in there but I didn't see the bucks that I, that I didn't see him or the bucks that were hanging with him. Okay. And, uh, so we hunted it. I mean, literally we hunted it for maybe two hours. And then I, you know, I told, 
I told Jack, I said, hey, we're going to back out. We're going to go look over off in this other canyon um, and see if we pick him up. But he's not he's not in here, but he'll be in here. And Jack's a real, you know, Jack's a great, he's a, a great hunter. He's a coos deer enthusiast through and through. You got a bunch of bucks up on the wall in the, the 90 to 100 inch bracket. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of why I picked Jack for the hunt, because I knew he would appreciate what he was going to get his hands on. And um, the second day we went in there, got in behind glass, picked up both bucks that I knew he was running with, didn't see him. But uh, I was just like, hey, we're going to hang tight. He's in here. We had, I just got to find him. And about 45 minutes later, we found him. I knew where he was going to move to, to bed. So we positioned, uh, you know, we got in position to where he was going to be walking basically right into our laps within 400 yards. And uh, and when he did that, you know, we, I got Jack down. Jack took the shot. And, you know, the rest is history. Um and legend was kind of the same thing. I, I I learned so much from watching watching these deer and not being intrusive. Mm-hmm. You know, just letting them be, not getting in there, you know, and setting up, you know, a string of trail cams that run from one end of the mountain range to the other. You know, I squeeze that we squeeze those deer in. And that's right. how we that's how we approach it now. You know, that's not to say we don't go out in some random spot and set a trail cam. You know, we still do that kind of stuff. That's but more when of discovery, we find bucks, though, right? Yeah, and that's that's yeah. exactly what it is, you know. Um, when we find bucks that we want to get after, you know, that's what we do. We just do a real slow, methodical squeeze. We use some cameras to do it. And um, it's amazing. That's You know, before I would have said that, you know, there's maybe, you know, before I started outfitting and didn't do this, if someone would have told me that there's a hundred deer in Arizona, that's 135 inches or better. I'm not sure I'd have believed it at that point, but right. I would be doing what I've done. You know what these guys are doing. I think every five miles you could shoot 120 inch or better coups. Oh, I, I believe it. I tell that to people all the time. We talk about elk. We talk about mule deer. We talk about coups deer. And everybody's like, what's the best unit for me to go get a, and I'm like, throw a dart, man. Seriously. Yeah, it's, it really th- is. Those those trophy class animals, uh, they live they live. The whole state has them. I mean, are there areas there oh, yeah. where there's more of them? Of course. There's better habitat. Sure. There's you know, or uh, units that are managed better. You know, and this goes for anywhere in the country. You know, uh, I'm. I probably draw three tags, three or four tags a year that are draw hunts. And I always put in for the tags that are higher opportunity to draw and uh, higher success rate, which don't typically turn into trophy units. Um, But I consistently see great animals and and all of them. You just got to figure out where to look. And, and it sounds like you found the secret sure. sauce of, of what that is, you know, um, you know, it's, well, it, it's, you know, go ahead. It's, no, it's true. I, I kind of sort of, I guess you will. I mean, I, I can tell you this, um, well, this is what I would tell you. We've killed big bucks deep back in country that I know not a lot of people go into, if any at all. And I mean, we've killed literally, and I kid you not, people are going to think that I'm lying. 
But I mean, we've killed bucks that literally you could have stepped out of a truck off the road and shot it. No joke, no lie. I mean, anybody, anybody, I can tell you, anybody could have killed a 135-inch deer, 136-inch deer. And were these two locations, two, two drastically different areas, two mm -hmm. drastically different units, but literally one, you could have drove a truck and killed that deer. Right. You know, it's just that's when we started squeezing with cameras, we started really kind of paying attention and, and watching, watching these deer. Um, you know, and I get a lot of crap from it from a couple of my guides because they're like, oh, you know, you don't want to get in there and hike and get them. And it's like, well, you know, I mean, if I can get 135-inch coos and not have to hike five miles back into country and I can get yeah. one off the side of the road, I would in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. You know? <laughs> you, know. you know, but and – it's, and it's different. You know, to honestly, you know, that, that deer – we hunted that deer like pressured elk. Right. I mean, that deer – Man, he was just sneaky. He would move. His movement to catch that deer moving throughout the day was really hard. Um, we knew it was going to be a later season tag to get to have that opportunity, you know. Um, and that's why I really liked them early season hunts. But that deer, I don't know if we'd have got that deer killed in that on on an early hunt. I don't think he right. would have moved. He'd have been. He was. He was in the air, but I don't think he would have been moving the time frame that we would have needed to have to get him shot. And I think that later season, you know, there was a lot of bang, bang going on in the unit. Um, right. You know, I think he, he got some confidence that, you know, he wasn't, nobody was watching and uh, got kind of comfortable and complacent and got him killed. But, but uh, yeah, we just kind of hunted him like pressured elk, if you, if you would, to where the other buck, you know, it was kind of a seek and destroy miss. And we knew where he was at. Mm -hmm. uh, we, I knew we were going to get him killed on the north end, um, you know, and to, to say I could have got um, Sawbone, you know, to, to say we could have got that deer killed, uh, finding him within a year, I think would have been, would have been extremely difficult, you know, getting him killed after watching him three years, you know, we had a lot, I had a lot of data on that deer right. when he was moving, where he was moving to, you know. And that's another thing with coo that, you know, that's inherently awesome about coos deer hunters is these guys, you know, these guys and gals that are doing this don't give up, mm -hmm. you know, they're not, it's just not in their, their DNA to give up on, on, uh, you know, on an animal or, or hunting. So, you know, they can get after it. You know, like I said, it took us three years to get that deer killed. Yeah. It was worth it. You it was know, a hell so. of a, hell of yeah. a book. Hell of a buck for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was pretty nice. Well, cool, man. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, shedding in your uh, your profound coos deer knowledge with us, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of no. Seriously, man, you, you got a really neat and uh, different approach. And uh, I'll actually the first guy that suggests you, you know, uh, Xavier Cordova, he. Uh, he he went to my website and uh, he suggested you on there, and uh, I'm glad he did. Uh, and I got another one right after, and another one right after that. So I don't know if they were calling each other up and saying, "Hey, you need to," but you know, hey, I, I, honestly, uh, I'm glad they they put me in touch with you because, um, you know, I, I had heard about the buck, but you know, I, I didn't know much about your outfit or anything like that, and 
you know, we might not have a connected. And I think to, to, you know, this is a great podcast. I think a lot of guys are going to get a lot of information and, and start being able to apply that into their own hunting skill set and, and hopefully be able to make something happen for themselves. Um, and if not, you so. gotta, you so. gotta give Eddie a call and, uh, have him take you hunting. Um, you know, <laughs> no, right, nothing, right. nothing better than learning from the master himself and getting uh, hands on, uh, you know, teaching class. So for sure. Um, why don't you, uh, give the listeners, a you know, a little information about your outfitting business and, uh, where to find you and so on and so forth. All righty. Um, so it's Eddie Willie, uh, um, Southeastern Arizona Outfitters LLC. We have a Facebook page. You can look us up there. Uh, a lot of people you'll you'll hear CISO is another representation of the company. Um, but you can find us on Facebook. My number is uh, 520-255-4886. You can shoot me an email at CISO, S-E-A-Z-O, hunts, H-U-N-T-S, at gmail.com. Uh, we have an uh, Instagram page. You can... You know, I highly encourage you to, to like us, you know, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Instagram is CISO Hunts. So, um, John, man, I appreciate it. I don't know about the whole hunt master side for me, but, um, <laughs> but I do appreciate it. It was, it was a, it was a blast, man. It was the first time getting to do something like this. Nah, man, um, and it was a blast. Like I enjoyed seasoned, talking. Seasoned veteran. You're like a podcasting uh, veteran. You're good, man. Um, and ladies, he's married, so don't, don't abuse the phone number he gave out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I am. I'm married, <laughs> married three kids. So. so cool, man. Well, thanks a lot. And, um, you know, I'm sure I'll be talking to you. I'll probably have you back on. We'll talk about mule deer, uh, in the near future. Sounds maybe good. Not, maybe do some little, little elk Anytime, hunting. Do you want to get closer to elk hunting season? But I wanted to get this one done, uh, for sure. Um, mainly because I've yet to kill a coos in velvet and I really want to with my bow. Um, I'm not going to get the opportunity to, uh, fortunately and unfortunately this year, cause I drew a, uh, elk tag in Utah. So in August I'll be in Utah chasing elk and not be able to, uh, fulfill that priorities again. Priorities. <laughs> so, <laughs> but next year I got it on the list to do. So. Anyway, well, thanks a lot, man, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, I appreciate you, brother, man. You have a good one, buddy.